We thank you for listening to the weekly sermon of First United Methodist Church, Missouri City, Texas. We're a church that's making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. For more information about the church and its ministries or how we can pray for you, visit us on the web at fumcmc.org. If you desire to make a quick contribution in support of our ministries, you can text to give. Simply text the amount you want to give to 281-369-4870 and follow the instructions. And now, as you listen, we hope that you find this podcast meaningful and transformational in your journey of faith. Now run, 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 Leah. Go to the next one. (laughs) If you will, please take out your cell phones and don't tell me you don't have it with you because I hear them all day. Take your cell phones out. Go to your text messaging program, whichever one you use. If you use an Android or an iPhone, doesn't matter. Um, Oh, by the way, those of you who use Androids, did you hear about this? Um, Apple has a deal with Hollywood, and it's non-negotiable. In a movie, you will never see a bad guy using an iPhone. They only use Androids. I'm not making any judgments. I'm just saying. Go ahead, get it out. And I want you to, Jesse, do we have that? Next slide. There we go. Go to your, and type in 281-688-1942. And then text FRED, capital F-R-E-D, 8 o'clock service, someone text SHED. It won't work. It has to be FRED, F-R-E-D, capital F. And you should, if you do it right, get a little, hey, welcome, glad you're here, yada, yada, yada. Uh, each day during, um, during Lent, I have found about 70 great quotes from um, Mr. Rogers, and each morning, about 8 o'clock, you'll get a quote of the day for Mr. Rogers. If you're after two days, you don't want them. Just hit stop, tag stop, and they'll just go away. But um, there's some really neat things. He was, like, wise beyond his years. So I hope that you'll uh, take a moment and do that. And now that you've done that, if you'll stand. If you're having problems, Barbara will show you how to do it afterwards. <laughs> go ahead, Stand greet one another and share with each other whether or not you like Mr. Rogers. Go ahead, do that. So two Advent hymns to start service. I loved it. Two Advent hymns. No, no, two Advent hymns. That old mortal flesh and come thou long expected Jesus. Trust me. Go ahead, have a seat. You're on my time now. Let's go. Have a seat. Hurry, 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 hurry. We're not slowing down. Let's go, let's go. Okay, maybe. On uh, February 19th, 1968, a revolution began in this country. It was a revolution this country needed. It was a revolution that we had to have. And I'm not talking a revolution with guns or with violence. It was a revolution with kindness 
and love. And for the next 33 years, this revolution happened. February 19th, 1968, was the first airing of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood on PBS. It's been about 15 years since Mr. Rogers died of stomach cancer, and about 17 years since the last episode of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood was, was broadcast. But if you've been paying attention to culture, Mr. Rogers is making a resurgence. Movies, documentaries, stories, books. And I would like to think it's because those people who make these things realize that we need the revolution again. A revolution that is characterized by kindness, by caring, by welcoming, by including and appreciating others, by being present with one another, by listening carefully to one another, but most of all, by understanding ourselves as being loved, being unique, and being special. That's the revolution we need. Now, for those of you who know, uh, Mr. Rogers was a Presbyterian minister, and his main ministry was the Mr. Rogers Neighborhood Show. And what is amazing is the more you read about him, the more you hear about him, the more you kind of look at his life, you just realize that everything he did, he did because he was a follower of ser and servant of Jesus. In fact, every morning when he walked into the office, as he left his car and walked through the door, he said the same prayer. Dear God, let some word that is heard be yours. What amazing prayer. Now, I will have to say, uh, Mr. Rogers was um, obsessive. He had a routine, and he never varied from it. He had the daily routine and a work routine. His daily routine would begin at 5 a.m. when he woke up. He would spend time in prayer. He would spend time in Bible reading and reflection. And at about 7.30, he would go to the local pool and he would swim. And when he finished swimming, he would weigh himself. And every day he weighed 143 pounds. And that was important to him. By the way, that was also the address of Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, 143. It was also his favorite number because it represented his favorite phrase, I love you. I had one letter, love four letters, you three letters, I love you, one, four, three. He didn't drink, he didn't eat meat, he didn't watch TV, and he went to bed at 9.30 every night. 
That was his routine. And what drove this man, what defined who he was as a follower of Jesus, is he had this uncanny ability to simply slow things down. Everything he did was at a different speed than the rest of us generally operate in. In the midst of a crazy, insane world of hectic and busyness, Mr. Rogers refused to speed up. And if you asked him why, he would tell you slowing down is a way to nourish your soul. And a soul that is hurried becomes hard and resistant. Nineteen sixty-seven, group of experts um, testified before Senate, and they were telling their big concern what was going to happen to America because of technology and robotics and automation. They said by 1985, Americans are going to face a huge problem. Will they work 22 hours a week, 27 weeks a year, or will they retire at 38 and they're going to have just way too much free time. Now, did anyone live that in 1985? <laughs> 22 hours a week, 27 weeks a year. Anybody retire at 38? Does anybody really have too much free time? No, because we don't live in that world. Technology, automation, robotics, email, internet, text messaging, cell phones has simply sped us up to breakneck speed. And Mr. Rogers spent 33 years trying to slow us down because he understood that busyness strangles meaningful, life-giving relationships. Hurried people do not have time to deepen relationships or to build new ones. Maybe that's why Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians, maybe that's why his first definition of love is love is patient. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because you would lie to me anyhow. (laughs) You and I do not slow down. No, 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 no. Don't even try shaking shaking your head. I've been, you get angry if the person driving in front of you is going five miles under the speed limit. You honk the horn. If the red light turns green and that person hasn't already moved, you are not thinking Jesus' thoughts. (laughs) 
I've seen some of you at the grocery store. Oh, yeah. You're counting. Express lane. How many does Will have? One, two, three. Wait, that's 15. And then you start muttering under your breath. And God forbid you have to wait at a restaurant for a server to come to your table. It is ugly. We live in a I want it now, I want it fast world. But for Mr. Rogers, it was about slowing down because not only does it hurt our relationships with one another, it hurts our relationship with God. When the boys were young, I I found this book and I used to read it to them and then I would feel horribly guilty um, because the book should have been, I should have been reading the book to me. It's a book called Where Is God? It's written by um, Lawrence and Karen Kushner. And, and this, is, this is the book. This is, this is the part that used to convict me. It says, where is God? God is in the beginning in the tiny hands of a baby. Where is God? God is in the end in the last bite of birthday cake. Where is God? God is in the world. God is everywhere, wherever we look. But the problem is we live in such a hectic time that we don't have time for looking or for waiting or space to even notice God. We're always worried about the next big thing, the next event, crossing the next item off our to-do list. And then we wonder why our relationship with God suffers. God is everywhere we look, but are we really looking? Maybe that's what the psalmist wrote. That's what he meant when he said in Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. Be still. The other value that drove um, Mr. Rogers, well, is best, just watch this. Fred took an egg timer and said, you want to know how long a minute is? There, we're going to show you. And we just sat there for the whole minute. There's a lot of slow space. There's no wasted space. In. I think silence is one of the greatest gifts that we have. For Fred Rogers, silence is the greatest gift we have. He had this amazing ritual every meeting he went to. And it was a silence for Fred. It was a silence, if you read his stuff, that wasn't just the absence of noise. It was a time for reflection on the very goodness of God and the goodness of the people you were with. And what Rogers believed is if you're silent... You strengthen your relationship with God, 
and with the people you are in community with. And so he had this ritual. Every meeting would start with silence. He would tell his staff to take one minute at the beginning of the meeting and to think of a person who had a positive impact on their life. And he would watch the time and tell them when the minute was up. And you would think he only would do this with his staff, but that's not true. One year he was invited to the White House uh, and there he met with Bill and Hillary Clinton, Al Gore, uh, high-ranking senators and congressmen and executives from PBS. And before the meeting started, <clears throat> he told everyone, for one minute, I want you to be silent and think about the person who impacted your life. When he gave commencement speeches at colleges, one minute, think about those who impacted your life. And if you happen to have been watching the Emmys in 1997, when he won the Lifetime Achievement Award, he stood up, got behind the podium, said a few words, and then to the star-studded celebrities in the audience, and to the millions of people who were watching at home, he stopped. And he said, I want you to take time and think about the people who impacted your life. And if you Google that, you can see it. But here's how Esquire magazine described that moment. And then he lifted his wrist and looked at the audience and looked at his watch and said softly, I'll watch the time. And there was at first a small whoop from the crowd, a giddy hiccup of laughter as people realized he wasn't kidding. He actually expected them to do what he asked. And because it was Mr. Rogers, they did. One second. Two seconds. Three seconds. And when they showed the audience, you saw that jaws were clenched and then relaxed. People's breathing became still. And mascara was running down the cheeks and the tears fell upon the gathering like rain leaking down a crystal chandelier. And Mr. Rogers finally looked up from his watch and simply said, may God be with I can't think of any better way to end the sermon than to give you a gift of silence. So for, for one minute, 
We're just going to be silent. And during that time, I would love for you to think about the person or people who have impacted your life. Maybe they're in this room. Maybe they're far away. Maybe they're in heaven. And then imagine how much joy they would have knowing that it was them that you thought about. These are people who encouraged you, who loved you, who stand beside you. And don't worry. I'll take the time. One minute. And now may the Lord bless you, may the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, give you peace both now and forever. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit go from this place. And may the peace and the love and the grace of God go with you. And may you know, may you remember, may you never forget that there is nothing you can do nothing that will ever make God love you less. Because when God sees us, he doesn't see the mistakes that we make. He simply says, wow, you're nothing but the best of the best of the best. And can you imagine for just a moment what your day might be like if you lived it believing that? I think you'd have a good day.